Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. After the last one failed, legislators are taking another whack at trying to solve the state's housing shortage with a new bill aimed at so-called middle housing. In a minute, KUOW's Joshua McNichols will tell us how building duplexes, triplexes, and townhomes can get us closer to the one million units the Department of Commerce estimates we'll need by 2044 to keep up with population growth. But first, let's get you caught up. It's time to pay the piper. All past due Seattle parking, camera, and traffic tickets are accruing late fees as of today. The city suspended the fees in March 2020, and right now there are about 350,000 late unpaid tickets. If this is you, the city would like you to know the municipal court offers payment plans and community service options, or test your legal acumen and dispute it. Getting your groceries delivered from Amazon is going to cost you a bit more, especially if you're grabbing just a few things. Prime members were told the company is tacking on a service fee for orders under $150. It could cost you as much as 10 bucks. The company says the fees, which start at the end of February, are necessary to cover costs. And current and former Boeing employees and customers will gather at the Everett factory tomorrow to send off the last 747 airplane. The 747 revolutionized commercial air travel, but most airlines have ditched the model in favor of more fuel-efficient options. NPR reports the plane is headed to cargo airline Atlas Air. Housing and homelessness are huge issues in Washington state, unsurprisingly. One solution to addressing the problem is to increase housing density, and there are about 16 bills in the state legislature on the subject. One of them, for the second time, is trying to permit more middle housing across the state. KUOW reporter Joshua McNichols followed last year's middle housing bill and is back to tell us more about middle housing and what's different this year. Hey, Joshua, good to talk to you. Hey, good to be here. So about this time last year, we had a conversation about a middle housing bill. That bill died. Tell me why. Well, you know, it it had a lot of support from a lot of legislators and from the governor. But at the end of the day, it didn't have unanimous support or even like broad support from cities, specifically from mayors. The Association of Washington Cities, which represents a lot of those mayoral voices, um, thought that it didn't give enough local control to cities and it didn't give them enough ways to create exemptions, you know. And even Bruce Harrell, the mayor of Seattle, um, you know, he he didn't step up and give a full-throated support for this, even though you know, Seattle has been seen as, as a leader in some ways on pushing for more middle housing. So, Interesting. Um, ultimately, it didn't have that support and the bill died. Interesting, Joshua. Before we go too much further, let's take a step back quickly and let's talk about what middle housing is. Describe it for me. Middle housing is basically medium-sized housing. <laughs> it's not a single-family home you know, which is just one family living on a piece of land. And it's not a huge multifamily apartment building, you know, that has many, 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 many people living in one apartment block. It's something in the middle. You've got maybe, you know, four families living in a building. You Maybe it's six families, you know, maybe they're in townhomes. And these are of a small enough scale that, you know, the backers of this legislation believe they can fit in neighborhoods that are currently low density, that are currently dominated by single family homes. 
you spent some time during your reporting talking with people who actually lived in this middle housing. What did they tell you? What does it look like? Well, there's a couple of different models. One is one is these really old buildings that are from, you know, 100 years ago, you know, 90 years ago, 80 years ago, when we used to have this stuff scattered through neighborhoods and it was just a part of the residential fabric of the time. And sometimes in modern days, you kind of walk by these and don't even notice them. One of them maybe you think is a big house because it's it's just got four apartment units in it. And I, I went by one of these houses. It's actually got five units. It's kind of near Lighthouse Coffee on Finney Ridge. I went there with an architect who's really interested in middle housing. And I met one of the residents there. His name was Kevin Murphy. And he's lived in this place for 27 years, this 100-year-old house. He calls it the Cowboy Hotel. I live in the Cowboy Hotel. You, why do you call it the Cowboy Hotel? It's got a, a big porch on the front and a balcony up above, and it looks like something out of an old cowboy town. I was a uh, part-time house manager for a group home okay. uh, for developmentally disabled adults. You don't earn a huge amount of money no. to buy a, an expensive home. No. You don't earn enough money to buy any kind of a home in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, almost anywhere. There's another kind of middle housing that we see, which is townhouses. Mm. And we see a lot of those in Seattle. And, you know, in addition to people fearing the price increases that they see as new stuff gets built, um, a lot of people just don't like townhouses because they're tall and skinny. And the reason why that's the kind of middle housing that currently gets built is, you know, there's a lot of legal and technical reasons for that. Um, just suffice it to say that a lot of people are trying to bring back that older style where an apartment is completely on one floor, kind of like the Cowboy Hotel. Mm. Um, and and it's going to take some additional laws changing to allow that kind of housing to go forward. Why has it been so difficult to get more middle housing built in Washington? It's difficult politically, but it's impossible legally mm. in many cities. Um, you know, Seattle's made a little bit of progress on this by allowing, you know, mother-in-law apartments and backyard cottages, which are much smaller than the original home. But 75% of residential land in most cities is off limits for middle housing. There are bans there on this kind of stuff. All you can build is single family homes. So middle housing is an attempt to scale up the production of housing so that we can build enough homes for people who are trying to live here. What you're talking about, though, is housing affordability versus building housing, Joshua. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the big issues that middle housing is meant to resolve is that right now, the way we're addressing the housing shortage, and there is a huge housing shortage because we're adding more jobs in the region than we're adding homes, is, you know, Currently, we build these big apartment buildings along arterials in uh, dense urban villages, which is where the city of Seattle decides to put growth, you know, and other cities have similar programs where they try to channel growth into certain areas, right? One of the problems is that we build a lot of apartments in those kinds of environments, but we don't build places for people to buy that are affordable. Um, and we don't build places that people can live there that are in quieter neighborhoods, you know, perhaps closer to parks or closer to schools that people like. And so you end up with this kind of economic segregation where single family neighborhoods or areas at least dominated by single family homes are getting more and more and more expensive. And then you have the closest stuff to affordability in the, in the dense areas. And um, it's, and if people, and those are all apartments, you know, and so if people want to 
buy something, they can't get out of that rental market because single family homes are so expensive. And so, you know, they spend a little bit more on rent because they had been saving for a home. They couldn't find something they could afford. And then the rents go up because you get more and more people stuck in the rental market. So it's a it's a piece of a puzzle, you know, um, but it's it's the most important piece of the puzzle. Okay, so if this is the most important piece of the puzzle, how can middle housing bring down prices? The answer is a little bit complicated, <laughs> but basically there are lots of studies saying that middle housing puts downward pressure on housing prices, mm. but that's not the same as driving housing costs down. Right. There, there was an op-ed in the Seattle Times recently by Greg Colburn and Rick Moeller, two University of Washington professors, and the title of their op-ed was, Density is Necessary but Insufficient to Ease the Housing Crisis. Mm. And I, I think that sums up the, the problem, you know, and I think it's always important to caveat the claims about prices going down. Nobody's actually, nobody actually believes that prices will plummet when middle housing is allowed. There's just too much other stuff happening. There's too much built up demand and it's going to take a long time to bring those prices down. So um, we need a whole bunch of other things to happen at the same time to help bring housing prices down. You said that last year the Association of Washington Cities opposed this bill. So tell me about their stance this time around. Has it changed? Association of Washington Cities says they're open to negotiation. During the interim between legislative sessions, Washington Cities came up with its own middle housing uh, proposal, and it's to allow three units on every lot, whereas the middle housing bill itself says four units on every lot and uh, six if they're near transit or six if two of those units are affordable. So, um, you know, there's some distance to close between those two before we could expect to see, like, the backing of Association of Washington Cities. I don't know if the if the backers of the legislation have enough support to get it passed without the support of the Association of Washington Cities, but um, that remains to be seen. You know, it's still early in the legislative session. We got to make middle housing cool again, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's going to pass this year. We'll see. I mean, there's definitely... There's a new way, there's a new support for this we're seeing all along the West Coast. If this middle housing is just the beginning and one piece of the puzzle, Joshua, what is the end here? Well, you know, um, the picture of addressing the housing shortage, it is like, it is like a puzzle, right? You need all these different pieces to fall in, in place. You know, there's condo liability reform. There's rules about how many staircases you have to have in a building, all that kind of stuff. You know, it feels like it's all deep in the weeds, but they all bring us to a place where you have basically more people living in neighborhoods that now aren't very dense, you know? And we used to have more people who were sort of roommates in the same houses, you know, that's kind of fallen out of favor as, as the competition for these houses has grown so fierce and prices have grown so high. But, you know, I, I started playing this game on my phone, Pokemon Go. Um, <laughs> you know that game? I do. <laughs> I, and I started playing it because my son was into it, right? Yeah. So that's my excuse, right? When you're playing that game and, and your character is walking down the street looking for monsters to throw these little capsules at to try to capture them, like the, the more people there are on your street, the more things are happening in this game because it's an augmented reality game. Like what you see, you see the neighborhood around you on this game as you're walking through it. 
and there's a and and the dense denser areas like the university district you know or you know california avenue in west seattle or or you know the sort of town center in uh, you know white center it's like these are where things are happening and where stuff is exciting and i i kind of feel as i'm playing that game like that that life that i'm seeing around me in dense areas where there's so many more things to catch so many more things to interact with like you can kind of see that in the real world when your neighborhood becomes more dense too. You know, there's more people walking by. On my street, you know, there's bikes going back and forth all the time. And this idea of bringing middle housing to neighborhoods could be a way of rebuilding some of that dynamic, you know, um, exciting quality to neighborhoods that, that I look forward to seeing on my street. Really appreciate that, Joshua. Joshua McNichols is a reporter with KUOW. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Vaughn Jones, Brandy Fullwood, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. We'll see you tomorrow.